question of the year to kick off 2018 is, what is good, effective leadership in our world today? It's a question that's on probably all of our minds in one way or another. When we uh, look at people who are in the public eye, whether that's in politics or business, uh, entertainment, education, or even just on a personal level as we look at ourselves and what does it mean for me to be a leader and how do I lead at work or on my team, in my community or at home? What makes a good, effective leader? Is it passion and drive, confidence, charisma, success, results? We've got no shortage of places to look for answers to this kind of question. People like Jim Collins, who wrote about going from good to great, or Simon Sinek, who taught us the importance of a leader explaining the why, or Patrick Lencioni, who's written book after book about ways to lead effectively and manage successfully, because leadership is important. So for the next four Sundays here in Chapel Roswell, we're going to be observing some unlikely leadership, lessons from an unlikely leader in the Bible, Moses. Now, this is not about making you into a leader or a better leader, though I, I do think that could happen. And it's not about telling you which leaders to follow, though it might occur to you. But it is about recognizing what God is doing in our world today. And that kingdom of God work and how it's being advanced through people just like you and me through opportunities to lead. And Moses is a great, unlikely example of a leader. See, Moses became an unlikely leader for the nation of Israel when they were in captivity in Egypt under the rule of the pharaohs. And you got to understand this about Moses. So he was a foreigner, an immigrant in Egypt, a second-class citizen. He'd been given up for adoption was adopted into wealth, into royalty. We know that he had a speech impediment of some kind, maybe a lisp or a stutter. He lacked confidence in himself. And he was a criminal, basically a convicted murderer. And so it's from this unlikely leader that we're going to learn our first unlikely leadership lesson today. When Moses is at the burning bush, and, and that lesson is dealing with doubt. So we pick up the story today. As Moses is running from his past, he's fled the country, and he's in Midian, a, a country to the east of Egypt. And if you're looking for something to read this week, if you want to read the first couple of chapters of Exodus in the Bible, it gives you a good setup for what I'm about to read out of chapter 3. 
And so I'm going to read Exodus chapter 3, verses 9 through 15. And what I'm going to read is the story of Moses when he encounters God at the burning bush. And what it tells at the beginning of chapter 3 is that Moses looked and saw a bush that was on fire, but it wasn't being consumed. It wasn't being burned up. And as he went near to the bush, he heard the voice of God calling his name. God even said, Moses, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. Which caused me to pause for a second and think about the last time that I was so overwhelmed by the presence of God that I felt like I was on holy ground. When's the last time you've had that kind of experience with God? And that's where we meet Moses. In the story that we're going to read from today. It's at the burning bush. And God speaks to Moses starting in verse 9. And this is what he says. God says, Now the Israelites' cries of injustice have reached me. I've seen just how much the Egyptians have oppressed them. So get going. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I to go to Pharaoh and to bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I'll be with you. And this will show you that I'm the one who sent you. After you bring the people out of Egypt, you will come back here and worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I now come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they're going to ask me, What's this God's name? What am I supposed to say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. So say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. And then God continued, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, Abraham's God, Isaac's God, and Jacob's God has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is how all generations will remember me. So at that burning bush, Moses encounters God. And the first thing we hear that God says to Moses is the cries of the oppressed people of Israel have reached my ears. God has heard the oppressed Israelites' cries. And so God says to Moses, go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to tell him to let them free. Where is the oppressed, the abused, the neglect that breaks God's heart today? Whose cries for help, for relief, for justice are rising to the ears of God in our time?
We know from this story, God hears them. Do we? Can we? We're so bombarded and distracted. How do we hear what God hears? How do we hear the voice of God? There's so much noise that passes for news in our world. We need the quiet in order to hear. I went with my family for this past week. We, we took a vacation. We got away. And we went to a part of our world that's quiet. And man, there it got dark early and quickly. And when it got dark, it got dark. No street lamps, no headlights, no signs, buildings with windows lit. It got dark. And when it got dark, it got quiet. And I got to admit, that was an unusual experience for me right now. But it's amazing when it's quiet and still what we can hear from God. I was overwhelmed at moments with a conviction, a reiteration of the calling for why we're doing what we're doing, what it means to be the church and to bear the witness of the love of God and Jesus Christ to our world. And to do that now, here, in Roswell, and beyond. And then I started thinking about the fact that that was such an unusual experience for me, to be able to have that kind of quiet and still and peace. Because typically there's distractions. And so I started thinking about all the things that distract us from acknowledging and being in the presence of God. The still and the quiet to hear the voice of God. And then it occurred to me, sometimes I wonder if we don't prefer the distraction over the traction that God wants to gain in us and in our lives. You know, the thing about Moses, is perhaps Moses' biggest distraction was himself. His own shortcomings, his mistakes, his self-doubt that had driven him out of the country, living in a sort of a personal exile. And when we meet Moses in his story here in chapter 3, 
We find a guy who's recently married. He's started a family. And he's working his job one day when he catches a glimpse of the presence of God and hears the voice of God calling his name. And God says to Moses, I've heard their cries, the cries of the oppressed. And I'm sending you to lead them out of captivity and into freedom. And then here comes the doubt. Because the first thing Moses says back to God is, whoa, who who am I? Why me? I can picture Moses running down the list of all the things about him that disqualify him as a leader, that make him unworthy to be a part of what God is calling him to do. Moses' self-doubt, remembering that in Egypt he's a foreigner, an immigrant. He's got no standing, no voice. Of course, the reason he's a foreigner is because one of his ancestors, Joseph, brought the people of Israel to Egypt in order to survive a famine that would have wiped them all out. So it was actually the preservation of the Israelite people that brought them into Egypt. And then Moses sees himself as a second-class citizen, an Israelite in Egypt. Even though the reason they were second-class citizens, the reason they were being oppressed, is because they were being fruitful. They were growing in number. God's people were beginning to gain presence And being acknowledged and recognized. And then the Pharaoh acknowledged and recognized them as a threat. Which is why they were being oppressed. And then he was put up for adoption by his mom. You know the story? She put him in the basket and sailed him down the river. But the reason she did that was because all of the male children were being put to death because the Israelites were a threat. So she put him up for adoption to save his life, to give him a shot at having a life. And then he's adopted by the daughter of the Pharaoh into a family where he didn't belong and didn't fit and was different. But it was in being part of that family that he gained the training and the experience, the education, and the exposure to people that he was then later able to come back and use when he goes to see the Pharaoh. God had been working all along in Moses' life and in his story and even in all the things that he thought disqualified him and made him unworthy. And he murdered an Egyptian, which is why he fled the country. But the story tells us that he did that because he was defending an Israelite who was under attack. And so here's this most unlikely of leaders being called by God. And then when we take a step back and look throughout the scriptures, you realize that's how God works. 
Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians that it's in my weakness that God's strength is put on display. It's not because I can do it all. It's because in the places where I can't, where I'm weak, where I suffer, where I struggle, where God's presence is shown. And look at Jesus. When he called his first followers, his disciples, he didn't call the cream of the crop. He called common, ordinary, everyday people. But he called people who needed him. And wanted to follow in his way. And I think a challenge for us to even see this lesson from Moses about what it means to be a leader and to deal with doubt. A challenge for us is that we got a problem in our culture. We worship success. We worship celebrity. We worship power and notoriety. We think you have to be somebody to lead. We look at how many Twitter followers do you have or how many subscribers to your YouTube channel or how many downloads do you get or how many employees do you manage or how many votes did you get. And the fact is you can have the title or the position, be the most powerful person in the world and be a horrible leader. Because leadership is about influence. Leadership is influence in proximity. It's about leading where you are. Like Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers, sold out by his family. But even as a servant, as a slave, he lived his life with integrity, with humility, So much so that he had an impact on the people around him and was elevated to a position of authority and respect by the Pharaoh. And then even when he was falsely accused, continued to live a life that honored God. And again, eventually, was raised back up to a a place of power and prominence. Not because that was his goal, not because he set out to be the number two man in Egypt or tried to climb a ladder, but just right where he was, in the circle where he lived, the people that were around him, he lived a life of integrity, honor, a godly life of humility, using whatever gifts God had given him, whatever opportunity God had given him. To be who God created him to be. He led right where he was. And one of the things I love about Moses as a leader is that it's such an honest depiction of what it feels like to have that interaction with God. Because when God calls Moses to lead, Moses lays his doubt out there on the table and he says, but God, who am I? And it's in that honest conversation with God that we hear the answer from the Lord. I'm with you. You're mine is the answer to Moses' question. God says, I've got you. And I'll go with you. 
And by the way, here's the sign that I've been with you. You go and do what I've called you to do and be who I've called you to be. And I'll bring you right back here to this spot. This place that represented everything that you doubted about yourself and about me. This place that was your exile. That was the result of everything that you thought made you unworthy. That brought you all the way out of Egypt and into a foreign land. I'll bring you right back to this spot. And on this spot you will worship me. You and all the people of Israel, when I come through, when I deliver on my promise, when I demonstrate my faithfulness to you and to the nation of Israel, I'll bring you right back to the place where you struggled and you're going to worship me here. I will redeem this place in you and in your life. And you will see that I am God. I am with you. And God bless Moses because I, I, I see some of myself in him. He, he says to God, well, who am I? And God answers him and says, you're mine and I'm with you. And then Moses' next question is, well, okay, but who are you? (laughs) I mean, that's basically what he asks him. He says, listen, if I do what you tell me to do and I go to the people of Israel and I say to them, your God, the God of your ancestors, has told me to come and take you out of Egypt, they're going to ask me, who is this God you're talking about? What's his name? Moses says, okay, who are you to tell me this? And again, God's answer to Moses' sincere question, perhaps doubting himself, maybe even unsure about who this is that's talking to him. God's answer is, I am. I am the I am. which is perhaps the oldest known name for God in the Hebrew language. I am. God says, I am the God of their ancestors, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the God of creation. This is my name now. And for generations to come forever. And in the moment of doubt, Moses receives the affirmation from God. That the one who's calling him, the one who's sending him, even though he feels woefully ill-equipped and unworthy. That one is the I am. Brothers and sisters, the voice of God is still speaking and calling you and me today. If we can hear God above all the noise and the distractions. And God is saying, I hear their cries. So get going. I'm sending you. And we say, but wait, who am I? And who are you? And God says, I am. I'm the God who spoke over the chaos of time and space and brought forth light and life. I'm the God who we now know brought captive Israel out of Egypt and into freedom. God says, I am the I am, the God who sent his son Jesus, who came to walk among us and make the way to set us free, all of humanity, all of creation, free to have life, to know life at its fullest. God said, I am the I am. I'm the God who gave us his Holy Spirit, 
that we can live into life, not just for me or for you, but that we can be part of the whole world coming to life, set free from oppression and abuse, injustice, hatred, violence. The I am is the voice who calls us to lead right where we are, to be a part of the work of Christ, bringing life and freedom. The I am is the answer to all of our doubts and our fears. God said, I am. God's saying to you and to me today, I hear their cries. Go set them free. And he says, I go with you. Because I am. You know, in the, in the Christian calendar today is Epiphany Sunday, which is the day that we remember the Magi, the wise men coming and finding the baby Jesus, worshiping him. They represent, in a sense, the world coming to know Christ as the Savior, the Messiah, acknowledging and honoring him. The epiphany, the the realization, the revelation to the world that Jesus is the Savior. That God is the I am. So we all come together this morning with that epiphany, with that understanding, that realization. And to know that God is calling us, calling every one of us to lead right where we are. In spite of our insecurities, our doubts, our shortcomings, our mistakes, because they're there, we all have them. But to know that God works in spite of that and in the midst of that, to bring life and healing for the world. So I want to ask you if we could pray together right now and just make that our prayer. That we, you and me, that right where we are, that we could hear God's voice calling us to be a part of the work of Christ and in that way lead no matter how big or small we may think our circle is, to lead with confidence in the name of the I Am. God, here we are. We're your people, the work of your hand, your creation. Every bit of us, with all the dings and nicks and flaws and insecurities and as we enter into a new year we're, we're looking ahead in so many ways it seems uncertain and there's so much noise but God we say together this morning that we want to hear your voice that we want to go in your way the way that leads to life life everlasting 
So God, we give ourselves to you again. We trust you. Will you lead us? Give us the wisdom and the courage and the faith to lead those around us towards you. This is our prayer together in Jesus' name. Amen.